Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Are you struggling in your relationship? Are you feeling resentful, angry, overwhelmed? You feel like you're walking on eggshells? Or maybe there's been infidelity. Well, in today's Ask a Pro episode, I'm talking with return guest couples counselor Patrick Schultz. And we're going to answer some of your Facebook questions that you sent us about your relationship. Let's get started. You're listening to the 50 Shades of K podcast with host Elizabeth K, a podcast designed to empower, enlighten, and entertain with perspectives that most women are thinking, but not always saying. This is 50 Shades of K. Thanks for being here, Patrick. Oh, thanks for having me again. It's great to be here. Well, we are here to help people in their relationship, right? That's what you do. And we were just talking a second ago when I started recording. I was messing with the levels and Patrick said, I don't even want to begin to know what it is that you're doing over there. And I said, <laughs> Patrick, look at your job. I don't I give you so much credit for what what you do, but you're passionate about helping people and you're really optimistic about relationships. Absolutely. So today what we did is we put this out there on Facebook for Ask a Pro. You could submit a question. You could send it privately, which many of you did. So many messages we received. We did change the names here. So just so you know, no one's real names are going to be used. And we kind of tweaked some of the details a little bit just so we can respect people's privacy. But we also had a huge amount of messages sent about infidelity. So when it comes to that topic, which we're going to address about relationships moving forward after infidelity, we're going to kind of have it be a broad question. But again, if you want one-on-one couples counseling, reach out to Patrick Schultz because he's the expert and he can really offer some great resources for you to help your relationship. And we're also going to talk about this intensive couples retreat that you're doing in November. Yep. Do you want to get to that right away? Let's t- let's cover that. What is that going to be, the intensive couples retreat? Yeah, so what that's going to be is I'm kind of in, still in the early stages of it, but we're framing it out to be a very intensive weekend, a lot of one-on-one couples counseling. You'll actually be paired up with a therapist that you'll work with for the whole weekend. There will be a lot of group therapy work, you know, learning different skills, how to communicate. So a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today, just done in a very intimate kind of close setting, giving you a chance to learn about each other and kind of rekindle that relationship. Again. That's great. And the information is going to be at MilwaukeeCounselor.com? It will. It awesome. will be coming up here in the next month or so. Which, again, we will link up at 991themix.com. But let's start off here. When is it a good time for couples to go to couples counseling? When do they know that it's time to contact you? Usually it's way too late by the time they actually realize that they need to go to couples counseling. Wow. I think we've talked about this before, but the average before someone actually seeks out couples counseling is six years after problems first started. Six years? Six years. And a lot of built up anger and resentment can probably grow in mm-hmm. those six years also, I would, I would imagine. And that's kind of a great segue actually into the first question we're going to get to that Marissa sent us at Facebook. Basically her question was, uh, she and her boyfriend are 
they're not married, they're boyfriend and girlfriend. They've been together for a couple years. And in the beginning of the relationship, she said that their views were the same. And she talked specifically about their faith and their religion. They were raised with two different religions. And now that they are looking to go further in the relationship, like marriage, she is sort of concerned that these beliefs are going to become a problem, especially when it comes to raising children and things like that. Mm -hmm. So what do you suggest? Well, again, a lot of what we're going to talk about throughout, you know, many of these answers today is just communication, communication, communication. It's okay to have differences of opinion as far as religious views or beliefs, you know, thoughts on raising kids, things like that. Marriage is about compromise. That's what relationships are. So it's a matter of just being willing to have some of those open conversations. And you don't have to accept what your partner's view is on religion or anything like that, but you have to at least be able to respect it and let them have their view, and you guys figure out how to work together with that. That's a great answer. Okay, so let's get to some of these other questions here, too. Infidelity. Let's just jump right into it, because <laughs> there were a lot of questions. And two different types of questions kind of came out of the infidelity messages that we received. For example, there were quite a few people that messaged, specifically they were women, or we know women cheat also, but they were women saying that their husbands have cheated on them, how can they learn to trust again and can the relationship be saved? That's going to be the first part we're going to address. And then the other part that I'm going to ask you, I received messages from men and women that are now in new relationships, but were cheated on in the past and are now still having trust issues with their new partner. Mm -hmm. So let's get to the first one. There's been infidelity. You've been cheated on in your relationship. It's all out in the open. You've chose to stay with that person, but how can you build that trust again? Well, I mean, really, first piece of it is just, and this is what we would do in a couples counseling session, really, is finding out what led to the cheating. Was it lack of sex? Was it just not feeling connected? Was there resentment that was coming out from your partner? Was there just kind of a, a drifting apart, as a lot of people tend to do over the years? You know, so really beginning to understand what actually led to that affair or that, you know, whatever it was. Then the next piece is really getting each partner to own their piece of it. So many times one person, you know, usually the one that had their partner cheating was the one that wants them to own everything. It's their fault. They're the one that cheated. But, you know, both of you have a part in that relationship. So it's a matter of owning your own piece of it. If it is not communicating enough or lack of sex drive, things like that, it's getting each partner to own their piece of it and be able to start working with that. And then the next part is really sitting down together and identifying and agreeing on the terms of what this relationship is going to be moving forward. Both deciding, you know, what is the healing going to look like? What do you need from the relationship in order to have it be successful going forward? And then both making the commitment that you're actually going to stick to what you guys are talking about. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes a fear of people is that if they forgive, it means that it's been forgotten. And sometimes mm -hmm. couples will put people through a life sentence, so to speak, yep. where there's constantly these reminders of the mistake. And that correct me if I'm wrong, is not going to move the relationship forward. No, because then you're always going to be on edge waiting for the next attack to come of how many times are you going to throw this in my face? I've said, I'm sorry. We've talked about this. We're working on yep. building that trust again, but you're never going to have that commitment and that connection if you're constantly on edge about when the next attack is going to come. Right. And do you think there's an average time that someone can get over infidelity? Have you found that I maybe there isn't? I think every couple is different. It depends on, you know, if it was a one-time thing versus a year-long or more affair. I mean, sure. each of them, neither one of them is good, but 
the longer it's going on, the more secrets, the more lies, the more cover-ups, the harder it can be to get over looking back on everything that happened. And do you feel like the people in this relationship that there was cheating need to be completely transparent? I think so. I mean, there's part of what we do in the the couples counseling sessions, especially dealing with infidelity, is looking at basically letting the person who found out about the cheating ask any question that they want to within reason of the affair, the details of mm-hmm. it. And I mean, we we temper that. And I often will ask my clients, you know, are you sure you really want to know that answer? I mean, yes, you have the right to ask it, but are you sure you want to hear the nitty gritty details of what your partner did? Oh, and I think when people are angry, because I, I was cheated on in a past relationship. I think when you're angry, you do. You want to know everything. Mm-hmm. But then looking back, when things kind of calm down, I can say from my experience, I, I didn't want to know the details. Right. I just didn't. I did at the time, but... That did not help me at all mm-hmm. in that relationship because anytime I'd pass that certain bar, I would be reminded of what would happen yep. and it, it it didn't help me move on. That was just my personal experience. But I can see why some people want to know all the information. Mm-hmm. Now, what about the people that asked us the questions that they are in a new relationship? They've moved past the person that they were cheated on or cheated mm-hmm. with or what have you, but they're still having trust issues. I think that's a a very common one as well. I mean, you know, the once burned, twice shy kind of an idea. Yes. And really what you have to ask yourself is, is my current significant other cheating on me? I mean, are they the ones that caused that pain to begin with? And if the answer is no, then you need to be willing to kind of let that go and really focus on the new relationship, especially if you're saying that they're trustworthy and they're loyal and they care about you deeply. You need to give them the benefit of the doubt to prove otherwise. And And that might mean individual therapy to them because mm -hmm. it's almost like you're looking at that new person as the face of your pain when they didn't cause you the pain. Right. But they're they're there. So by default, Mm -hmm. they get the wrath of it. Exactly. And couples counseling actually can happen on an individual level as well. You know, we'll talk about this here. Okay. Um, Some couples, you know, one person really is committed to it and wants to get help. The other one's like, I really want nothing to do with this. But so much good can be done with even one person seeking help and getting someone to talk to and get some perspective. And sometimes that leads the other person actually being willing to come in and and see that person as well. And we are going to get to that in a second here Mm -hmm. because there are some specific questions here about if one person wants to get help and the other person doesn't, what do you do? But I want to tie a bow on this infidelity and uh, sort of people seeking out help for that. Do you feel that people can get past infidelity? Can a relationship work afterwards? Absolutely. And you've seen it happen. I have. I have seen it happen. It takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of time. I mean, it's not a a quick one, two, three sessions and you guys move on and live happily ever after. It's a lot of work and a lot of, you know, constant reminders and checking yourself and looking at where you're, you know, where you're going with things and making sure that the communication is open. But trust absolutely can be earned again. Do you think once a cheater, always a cheater? Hopefully not. Hopefully that person learned their lesson the first time around that the pain and the the agony of it is not worth it, but it's it's entirely possible. Yeah, that's a, a, a safe answer. I kind of thought, oh my gosh, I'm putting you on the spot with this one. Uh, but all relationships are different and right. people can change and grow sometimes from their mistakes and sometimes people don't. Mm-hmm. It's just you have to do what's right for you. And again, this is why sometimes seeing a counselor, a professional can really help because you can kind of work through all of those really tough situations. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you, Patrick. All right, let's get to one of these questions that we kind of just touched on here a second ago. We had uh, quite a few people message us that again, we're going to put this under just the umbrella of one person wants to get the help and go to couples counseling and the other person does not. Mm-hmm. What do you do in that case? It's tough. It, it's kind of very circumstantial depending on the couple and the relationship and what's going on. 
oftentimes a place to start would be going, you know, just yourself, finding a therapist that you can talk to and just getting some perspective for yourself of what's going on and you being able to own your piece of it. But then also helping formulate a, a way to talk to your partner about why this is important to you, why you want them to come into couples counseling with you, what you feel like would be the perceived benefits either on your own or, again, with kind of the help of that therapist helping you figure that out. But really being able to explain to them what your concerns are, because that's building that foundation of open communication and letting them know what it is that you want from them. It's a great answer. Sarah asked, she said that she and her husband have been together for 10 years and he still refuses to help around the house. It's always a constant battle between us. He'll do the outside work, but when it comes to inside, he will do everything to avoid it. How do I get him to see that it isn't just my house? <laughs> it's funny that you guys bring up the chores piece because I actually have a email series that I send out to people that sign up on my website, which is the top 10 things that couples fight about and what to do about them. Oh, boy. So, And I think <laughs> chores is number six, number seven, somewhere right in there. But it's uh, it's a big one that comes up a lot. And so what do you recommend? What What can she do to get him to see that it's not just her house. Well, one thing to look at is take a look at your own expectations. You know, Sarah, find out what you are expecting of him and are you expecting him to do more than than what you're doing? You know, this isn't the 1950s beaver cleaver type of household anymore where the housewife stays at home and cooks, cleans and does all that. The man goes to work and then comes home, puts his feet up. You know, marriages nowadays are very much 50-50 and it's a lot of give and take. So you guys kind of have to decide together what are those chores that you absolutely love to do that you don't mind doing, unloading the dishwasher, things like that. And what are those chores that you absolutely hate and you despise and you will not touch with a 10-foot pole? Then you guys can sit down and decide who's going to do what and you know, both look at the ones that you like to do and then kind of come up with those ones that it's really, yeah, it doesn't matter either way who does it. Then you guys can have an equal stake in doing what actually needs to be done and it's not left with this situation where one person does everything right. in one side of the house or not. Right. So. Well, and you talk about how people wait six years on average until they come and see you. Interesting that she sent us a message and they've been together for 10 years and you can tell in her, in her message it was starting to really build up over time. So yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's time to seek out professional help for that if she's feeling a little bit of resentment here. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a lot of questions talking about being empty nesters. Like Becca specifically said, how do you handle being an empty nester? Because she and her husband have been raising their kids for 22 years. Now they're kind of stuck looking at each other like, I don't know you. You don't right. know me. We're completely strangers. And that may sound kind of romantic to some people, but oh, you're starting over. A lot of the messages we received, it wasn't like that. They really mm -hmm. are just like we're, we're roommates living under the same roof. What do we do? How do we connect? Where do we start? It's scary because you kind of lose yourself over time. You know, you, you put so much energy and effort into raising your kids and getting them out of the house and being successful that you don't put the same energy and effort into the marriage. And now you're left looking at it like, oh, my goodness, I don't even know who this person is anymore. The best advice that I can give just real briefly on that is just start to date again. Treat it like you're just meeting them for the very first time. So you're wanting to know who this person is because 22 years is a long time and a lot of things can change in that. Likes, dislikes, things like that. So take the time just to date each other again. Take turns planning the dates. Basically meet them all over again and decide, is this a person that I like? Yeah, I guess you kind of do have to start over because you are different people now at this point. Mm -hmm. And it's not a bad thing because you now you're you're going into that next phase of life, which is... You're so optimistic. Listen to him. This is why you're good at this. It's not a bad thing to have someone living under the same roof as you and you're sharing a bathroom with it. You don't know, but you have to get to know because it could be kind of exciting. It, Absolutely. It could be kind of fun. And you guys get to decide kind of how you want that next phase to be. So much energy goes into your kids. 
that now you get to start putting energy into each other and into, you know, sort of your dreams and aspirations outside of kids. Outside of kids. Mm -hmm. Robin's question. I would like to get my husband more engaged. She said, I've been pretty much waiting on him for 22 years. I'm growing tired of it. He never helps with meal planning, yet complains he isn't a fan of everything I cook, and I cook from scratch. He's been growing upset. It sounds like he's very irritable. Um, She said, I have three teenagers who adore me, probably because I do most of their care. I feel alone so much. He will only communicate when he wants to talk. I love him, but I need more help. Mm -hmm. Pretty common thing as well that I hear a lot of. Um, and really one of the first questions that I would have is, well, what, what does that more engagement look like? What do you want from him? What does that mean for you? And being able to explicitly tell that to him exactly what it is that you're looking for. That's actually something that that I want to follow up with. That is a really good thing to take away from this. Be clear with what you want, because Mm -hmm. for someone that's already disengaged to say, I want you to be more present. I want you to be more engaged. Are you saying, like, be as specific to say, I want the cell phone nowhere near the kitchen table when we're eating dinner? Is that, you're talking that specific, yeah. right? Because, I mean, unless you're telling them specifically what it is that you want from them, they're never going to know. I mean, I hate to say this, but guys are pretty oblivious to things like that at times. And having something very explicitly stated can be really, really helpful for the entire relationship. There's a worksheet on my website called Dear Man. It's an acronym, and it actually is a a way to spell out exactly what it is that you're wanting from that person and why that is going to be of benefit to them to do what it is that you're asking them to do. Dear Man. Yeah, people are going (laughs) to definitely be clicking on that. Again, MilwaukeeCounselor.com if you want to find that. And is it easy to find on your website? Where do you go for things like that? You just... I have a resources tab right on my website. It should be right underneath there. So go there. Yeah, that's that's I mean, we, we understand that these people aren't sitting here in front of us. So we're kind of giving broad answers to these questions. But mm-hmm. hopefully it's offering some insight to some of you listening that might be going through some tough spots with your relationship. Uh, Chelsea said when counseling doesn't seem to be helping, what do you recommend? She and her husband have been in counseling for six months. Well, you're not seeing Patrick. That's what it is. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm kidding, Chelsea. I give you a lot of credit and for both of you for going to uh, to counseling. There's no shame in that. But she said that the counselor is relying on the book, The Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work. And she said, it seems like a good book, but my husband is finding it difficult to work on the second principle, which asks you to focus on positive thoughts about your spouse instead of negative ones. She's a homemaker with four children and he does not feel wanted or loved and says he never has. Wow, that's there's a lot going on there with that. Mm-hmm. So she said, how do you recommend convincing my husband to see a counselor on his own for his depression? And that's kind of something that we mentioned about individual counseling. And there right. were a lot of people. So many people now are going through, you know, these you know, anxiety issues and, you know, mental health is so top of mind. There have been so many public suicides that have happened from mm-hmm. Anthony Bourdain to Kate Spade. What do you recommend that they've been in counseling, but maybe he needs some one-on-one counseling? I think there's two pieces to that that we can touch on. And we can talk about the first piece of you know his depression and what he's struggling with. Ideally, the couple's counselor should be seeing some of that as well. And, Good point. And what I like to do is I meet with a couple for the first time to kind of get a sense of what the relationship is looking like, you know, how they argue, what their concerns are, what their worries are, and, you know, some basic goal setting. But then I also take the next two sessions to meet with each person individually to assess for their own side of things. Of Are there maybe some underlying mental health needs that need attention on their own? And then I will help kind of put them in the, the right direction of you do need to see an individual therapist to talk to you on your own. And in this case, with her already having a resource like a counselor, maybe perhaps 
perhaps in one of those one-on-one sessions, yeah, that's mm-hmm. when she can say, I really think he needs to see someone on on his own to exactly. work through some of some of his struggles. Uh, Jamie's question, she has been with her boyfriend for 22 years, and she said the relationship is great. We do have ups and downs, but the main issue is their sex life. And she said she's had a hysterectomy 12 years ago, and her sex life has gone down the hill. And she said she's fine if she doesn't even have sex. But she's really worried about what this means for their relationship. He's starting to be concerned that she might be cheating because she's no longer having sex with him. So how can she get her drive back? And this is definitely a great question for your OBGYN. This would be a a good place to start. I mean, it sounds like talking to them about maybe some hormone replacement therapy or something like that, because that's a pretty common thing that a lot of people will talk about after a hysterectomy, especially is, you know, that loss of sex drive of what was once there. Yeah. Um, So there's some medical interventions that can definitely be done to help with that. Um, Just some other things that you could maybe look at would be, you know, talking to your partner about changing positions, you know, definitely using lube as a possibility. Um, role plays, you know, different things that you maybe haven't tried before to see if that kind of adds that spark in there. But first off, you definitely want to talk to your doctor because that shouldn't be going on. And is that what you recommend for couples that do come into you and say, okay, our our sex drives are not matching up? Because I would imagine that does happen a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, your bodies change, your hormones change, life changes, especially for friends of mine that have these young kids. They're exhausted from everything the kids need from them. They have have no energy. I mean, that I'm sure happens a lot and mm-hmm. people don't want it to then lead to cheating, which can sometimes happen because sex needs aren't being met. Mm-hmm. So is that kind of what you recommend for people? Like sit down and talk about what it is that you want. I mean, do you tell them to schedule a sex date? I Yeah, I will absolutely tell people that I actually haven't put it on the calendar. You know, you set it on your iPhone and, you know, you point blank, put it on there, sex at this time on this day, and then you know when it's going to be. And, you know, it serves kind of a purpose and it may seem rather odd to schedule sex in, but it also can build up a little bit of excitement too, because you know, it's on the calendar. You now have something to look forward to and that can actually increase the arousal and make you want it and look forward to it. Right. Even though it may seem like, okay, it's another calendar appointment. Well, it's not exactly the meeting with your boss. Well, at least it shouldn't be, but yeah, maybe that's something that people can definitely do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's see here. We've got a couple more questions here. Um, Brian asked, this is another one that we received. Um, a lot of people are busy raising kids with special needs, or perhaps they're taking care of their parents that have some health issues. And Brian specifically said, how do you hold things together when both kids have muscular dystrophy and require constant care? Oh, Brian. Yeah. What do you, what do you say when, when that happens? And that's tough. Anytime you're dealing with, you know, physical health issues like, you know, muscular dystrophy and, you know, mental health issues like um, autism and kids on the autism spectrum and things like that, it is very taxing on relationships because you have a lot of, of different things that you have to kind of keep track of. And it can definitely, you know, take a toll on the the relationship. Um, Oftentimes what people can do is they can utilize, you know, respite care. Um, There are respite care facilities that are available for, you know, kids with behavioral health issues. There are, you know, I'm sure there are respite facilities that are available for, you know, people with, you know, various physical ailments and things like that, you know, scheduling in, you know, personal care workers to come in and kind of attend to the needs of the kids while maybe you guys actually schedule out a date night and go out for a couple of hours. It's not much, but it can be 
something, especially if you're doing it fairly regularly, once a month or a couple times a month, especially with with those significant of needs going on, that can be a great way to kind of just escape for a little bit and have some time to connect and decompress and not have to be so focused on the kids all the time. Yeah. And, you know, maybe making a, a rule, too, that when you are on that date night, whether it's just a quick 15 minute walk in the neighborhood mm-hmm. is just the two of you to really make it about the two of you. Yeah. And that's a, an exercise that I will do with couples very often is especially if there's kind of been that loss of communication over time is 10 minutes every day. You know, each person brings a topic to the table that is completely unrelated to the the relationship, to home life, things like that. And it could be, you know, pop culture types of things. It could be the latest headline that you saw in the Journal Sentinel, whatever it is, just bringing something else to talk about and learning about your partner and what their views are on things. That yeah. could be a great way. Yeah. Patrick, it's always so fun talking with you. I know the topic today is, is heavy, but you do offer a lot of great insight into it. And it's it all seems so achievable. I mean, you really are just such an optimist about relationships, which is why you're a great person to talk to. And again, you can reach Patrick at MilwaukeeCounselor.com. It sounds like you have a lot of great resources on that Mm -hmm. website as well. And the intensive couples retreat. You said you're going to limit it to about six couples? Yep, it's going to be very small. We have a a few tricks up our sleeve that we're coming up with to make it pretty exciting for people. Um, But really, we want to help couples just kind of rediscover themselves, reconnect, and just learn how to be a good couple again. It's a couple days? Yeah, it'd be. we're looking at doing like a Friday night for kind of a a cocktail hour, kind of a meet and greet, get to know your, you know, each other that you're going to be there with, as well as sitting down with your therapist and kind of talking to them about goal setting for the weekend. And then Saturday morning comes and we're going to start working right away. And if someone wants to send you a message directly, what's your email? What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, you can go on my website. It's Patrick Schultz at MilwaukeeCounselor.com. The website is MilwaukeeCounselor.com. You can connect with me at Facebook. Um, again, Milwaukee Counselor, pretty self-explanatory. So any of those places you can get a hold of me. And for all of you that send us messages, thank you so much for doing that. Hopefully this will offer you some help and give you some hope that your relationship will get on the right path. Patrick, will you come back on? I ask you every time because I I love talking with you. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This has been the 50 Shades of K podcast with host Elizabeth K. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.